It's a real joy to be here, and I'm very grateful for the opportunity, and it's a great privilege to be able to preach here. We, we love your church and your ministry. Thank you for taking good care of James and Angela. Appreciate that very much. My text is Matthew chapter 5, if you want to turn there, Matthew chapter 5. And uh, when you think about uh, James, anything good from James comes from his mother. And so you need to thank her. You, you need to thank her. There were times when he was in junior high, we wondered if he would survive. And um, his mother came to the rescue. And so we're very, very, very grateful for that. We've looked forward to coming here for months now. And uh, we haven't been here in a year. My building is beautiful, you've expanded, you've grown, it's lovely. And we, we, we follow and track and, and watch what's happening here. Of course, we're very interested. And uh, James and Angela keep us informed. And, and we knew you were making improvements and expanding. You've done a wonderful job. The Lord is blessed. And that's a joy to see. I recognize some of you from previous time. There's many of you that I don't know. So be patient. I'm old. I'm not real good with names, okay? But let, let me, I want to meet you. And uh, it's a joy to have uh, the numbers growing and uh, the ministry expanding here. It's a delight for me to preach this morning. I'm very thankful for the opportunity. I wasn't nervous until he mentioned the tacos. Uh, James and Angela have already talked about the tacos. And so he set the bar real high for me this morning here. <laughs> And so I hope we can come close to it. Now I'm nervous, all right? Our text is Matthew chapter 5. The, the theme of the conference is on the light and the light and the darkness. And I want to touch on one aspect, kind of do a survey of uh, the metaphor um, that, of the light that's used throughout out Scripture this morning. You may recognize our text, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, as the Sermon on, on the Mount. If, uh, if you notice at the beginning of the chapter, he goes up into the mountain and the disciples come and he begins to teach them. And the Sermon on the Mount begins with these Beatitudes. And I, I like to divide it, as you see on the screen here, uh, the eight Beatitudes in four, uh, uh, four, two sets of four. First of all, the attitudes that bring us to salvation. There's a poverty there, the poor in spirit, and we mourn and grieve over our sin, and we yield control, meekness is yielding control, and, and, and submit to the Lord Jesus Christ, and hunger and thirst for righteousness. And those are the attitudes that bring us towards salvation. And then, uh, then he begins to talk about uh, uh, being merciful. This is what happens after we get saved. We become merciful and forgiving. We strive for godliness, the pure in, in heart. And, and we, we become peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Verses 10, 11, and 12, I, I lump all of those in together where it talks about uh, persecution. And as a believer, we're willing to sacrifice for the truth of the gospel, for the cause of Christ. And so that's how uh, I see the Beatitudes uh, very quickly there. It's worthy of additional study. After he gives these Beatitudes, then we come to our text. And our text is verses 13 through 16. Will you read those together with me? Let's read out loud together Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. Ready? You are the salt of the earth. 
But if the salt hath lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing, to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Here Jesus uses these two pictures, these two metaphors of salt and light. Notice it's the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And, and uh, we are not uh, 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 to be influenced by the world. We are not of the world, but we are in the world. And we are to be influencing the world, the world around us. Salt uh, talks about our godly deeds, and salt is a purifier. All the wickedness that is in the world, we are here as salt to preserve what is good. And, and the emphasis there is on goodly deeds. The world is filled with darkness, darkness, and we are to take the light, the light of the gospel, the truth, and the light talks about our godly words, our godly words. This morning, I want to just talk about the light. I want to give you a quick survey about how this is a common metaphor in Scripture. Quick survey, what the Bible says about the light that will prepare us for the conference that's coming. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for the uh, opportunity to be here this morning. I was glad when they said, let us go into the house of the Lord. What a joy to be here this morning. What a privilege to be with this body of believers. And uh, your hand of blessing is upon this place. We're so very grateful. And now we're thankful that you are in our midst. And we ask that you would work in our hearts in a very special way. May the Spirit of God uh, work in us, and, and we'll thank you for it. We love you, and we love the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to honor and exalt him this morning. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. I like the little picture you can see on the screen there, uh, the two, two metaphors, salt and light. And someone has very creatively uh, put those two together. I want to emphasize the light. Now, we've dismissed the little ones, but let's sing. This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Won't let Satan it out. I'm going to let it shine. Won't let Satan it out. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine till Jesus comes. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine till Jesus comes. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine. That's what this verse teaches. That's what this passage teaches. So let your light shine. Let your light shine. Now in the Bible, the Bible says that God is light. God is light. In 1 John uh, chapter 1, 
We have God is light. We think of uh, 1 John, uh, we think of God is love. And, and uh, we love him because he first loved us. In the great passage in chapter three, 2, 3, and 4, that talk about the fact that God is love. God is love, but God is also light. God is also light. That's what it says. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Why? Because God is light. James tells us, every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down from above, from the Father of lights, in whom is no variables, neither shadow of turning. Old Testament uses the same. The psalmist says uh, in Psalm 27, the Lord is my life, my light, and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Go throughout the scripture, you'll see that God is light. God is perfectly holy. God is light. That's the emphasis there, uh, His holiness and His purity. Secondly, God's word is light. You know, it's one of the first verses we learn in Awana, right? Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The entrance of thy word giveth light, it giveth understanding unto the simple. And you read through Psalm 119, that's all about the word of God. And, all, all of a, and you'll see numerous places where the idea of God's word is light. I like what uh, uh, Peter says in uh, 2 Peter chapter 1. Whoops, that, I, I have that wrong on the slide. That should be 2 Peter chapter 1. In, Peter is talking about the transfiguration. You remember that? when the Lord showed himself, revealed himself in all of his glory to the disciples. Remember that? Peter says, I was there. I saw the Lord in his majesty. I heard God speak from heaven. And people say, oh, if I only had the experience, if I could only see God with my eyes, if I could only hear God speak from heaven. And Peter says, we have a more sure word of testimony. Yeah. He's talking about God's word. God's word is light. And he uses this expression after mentioning that. Uh, he says, we have a more sure word of prophecy as unto a light that shineth in a dark place. We don't need an experience. We need the word of God. And the word of God is a light. It's a light to us. God is light. God's word is light. God's son is the light. John chapter 1 talks about the fact that uh, uh, Jesus Christ is eternal. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And talks about John the Baptist. It says, John the Baptist came to bear witness of the light, that all men might believe in him. Oh, John was not the light, but he came to bear witness of the light. Jesus is the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Hold your spot here in Matthew 5. This is our text. But let's turn to John, John chapter 8. There are several times in the Gospels where Jesus uses the expression, I am the light, I am the light of the world. And in John chapter 8, uh, we, we have that for us. Let me set the context for you. Jesus' primary ministry was in Galilee, but here he's in, in Jerusalem. And, and if you notice in chapter 7, the beginning of chapter 7, verse 2, it's during the Feast of the Tabernacles. And so John chapter 7, they're celebrating the feast in the temple, and Jesus comes into the courtyard and begins to teach uh, in, in the courtyard there. Verse 14 talks about the middle of the feast. 
the, the, the middle of the feast. And then verse 37 says, at the end of the feast, at the end of the feast week and, and the last day of the feast. Then we come to chapter 8. And, and Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives and early in the morning, the feast is now complete. Early in the morning, he comes again into the temple. What is significant about that? Well, during the festival in the temple, there's this huge menorah. There's this huge candlestick that is, that is lit there. And, and the light is radiant and shows for the whole week of the feast, it shines. But it's no longer shining. It's not shining today. And the feast is complete, and he comes in early in the morning, and they have this episode here with the woman caught in adultery. And Jesus deals with that. Then notice verse 12. Notice verse 12. In the courtyard of the temple with, an, with a non-lit candelabra in the back, as his background, as his backdrop, Jesus says, verse 12, I am the light of the world. And so they've had this candelabra lit for a week. Now Jesus proclaims, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And he goes and gives this great discourse here about salvation. I am the light of the world. Then he proves it. Look at chapter 9, John chapter 9. Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And the disciples asked him, who sinned, this man or his parents? Jesus said, neither. He, these are the works of God, should be made manifest him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh with no man can work. John chapter 9, verse 5. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world and then he takes this man who has never seen the light, who's been blind from birth, and gives him light. Amen. He proves it. He is the light of the world. The same one who spoke and said, let there be light. And the darkness was divided. And he spoke light into existence. That same one says to this man, be, 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 uh, come see the light. See the light. I am the light of the world and cures him, heals him of his blindness. God is light. God's word is light. God's son is the light. Now, the Bible says God's children are light. God's children are light. 1 Peter chapter 2, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's the glory of the gospel, isn't it? We're lost in sin, dead in trespasses in sin. We're in darkness, and he transports us from darkness into life. When we get saved, he moves us from the kingdom of Satan into the kingdom of God, from a child of the devil to a child of God, from darkness into light. We are now in the light, in the light. 2 Corinthians 4, 6, For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. On the screen, Philippians chapter 2 and verse 15, That ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, 
among whom ye shine as lights in the world. God is light, and God's word is light, and God's son is light, and God's children are light. That's you. That's you. Now go back to our text. Go back to our text in Matthew chapter 5. What does Jesus say? Another place he says, I am the light. Here he says what? You are the light. You are the light. You are the light. That's the emphasis. You are the light. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Let's just talk just briefly. They'll say much more about this in the conference, but just briefly about what light does. Light exposes the darkness. This evil world is in darkness. Jesus Christ gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this evil world. Galatians chapter 1 and verse 4. Paul admonishes us in Ephesians chapter 6 to suit up. We wrestle not against principalities and powers. Put on the whole armor of God. Why? We're not wrestling against flesh and blood. We're wrestling against principalities and powers. Notice the next phrase. Against the darkness of this world. Against spiritual wickedness in high places. This world is in darkness. This world is in darkness. Preached a funeral on Monday in Tennessee. One of our church members passed away, preached a funeral for her on Saturday in Pekin, and then fulfilled responsibilities on Sunday. And then we drove uh, down to Tennessee, so she was buried back in her hometown. And uh, so we're driving Sunday night, and we passed from Illinois into Kentucky briefly, and then into Tennessee, and uh, got distracted, and I missed a turn. So I got the GPS on, but I got distracted, and I missed a turn. So I get to drive through the beautiful, I think it was beautiful, um, uh, countryside of Tennessee. One thing that I noted to my wife, I said, it is dark. No ambient light, no, no city lights, no other. Uh, it was dark. It was dark. It was dark. And physically dark. And, 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 and uh, uh, the, the light exposes the darkness. Oh, it just showed us the way. Just the headlights could show us the way. The light exposes the darkness. We live in a dark world. That was physically dark. I'm from the state of Illinois. There's great spiritual darkness in the state of Illinois. Great spiritual darkness. So when the Supreme Court decision on abortion came, our, our, our government, our state authorities, put billboards up in all of the surrounding states saying, hey, we're open for abortion, we're open for business. Come to Illinois, we're open for business. How, how's that for advertising for your state? We're in spiritual darkness, spiritual darkness. This world is a dark, dark place dark place. Jesus said in John chapter 3, this is condemnation that light is come into the world. You know, you know John 3, 16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, quote it, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus said, I came not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And he said, uh, uh, he that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation. Light came into the world, and men love darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds are evil. 
For everyone that doeth evil hates the light, neither comes to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. The world is lost around us. The world is under the condemnation around us. They love darkness rather than light. Light exposes the dark. Secondly, light pierces the darkness. Light pierces the darkness. Now, I'm a great literature guy. Robert Louis Stevenson wrote a, a poem. It's one of his famous poems called The Lamp Lighter. The Lamp Lighter. And it talks about a, a child inside. We're talking London, England now. child inside watching as the darkness descends upon the city and then the lamplighter comes down the street and lights the darkness. And, and so this is the classic picture, the classic image there. Uh, uh, imagine a, a child with his face to the window pane looking out and, and watching as the lamplighter comes and lights the image there. Poem is written. Charles Spurgeon used the same imagery in one of his sermons. And he used the phrase, punching holes in the darkness. That's what the lamplighter does. He punches holes in the darkness. And the challenge is, you and I are the light. What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to punch holes in the darkness. Why? Because light pierces the darkness. Light pierces the darkness. I like this picture because uh, uh, it, it shows us. What, what do we do with a lighthouse? It it. It shines at night. It gives light. It pierces the darkness. It leads people to safety. And you and I are the light of the world in a very dark place. We're to penetrate the darkness. We're to punch holes in the darkness. That's what light does. Light pierces the darkness. Light shows the way. Driving in Tennessee, it's dark. And Switch on the high beams. Doesn't seem to do, do a, whole, a whole lot of good there, but uh, we're trying to follow the light, trying to stay on the road, trying, trying to do that. Light shows the way. You know the expression, a Motel 6 is capitalized on it, right? Hey, we'll leave the, we'll leave the light out for you. We'll, we'll leave the light out for you. So I'm going over to my office late at night. I turn the porch light on when I go across the street to my office. Why? Because when I come back, it's a whole lot easier to get the key in, in, the, in the door if I've got the porch light on. The light shows the way. The light shows the way. That's what light does. Light, light shows the way. Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Here in, in this passage, Paul writes to the church of Thessalonica. He started the church. And they had concerns. Um, they had, he had talked about the second coming of Christ, and they had, they had concerns about that because some of their loved ones had died. Oh, they missed the, missed the second coming of Christ. And so he has to correct them in, uh, at the end of chapter 4. But we come to chapter 5, and he makes great contrast. This is what you were, but now. This is, this is what you do now. This is what you were, but, but now. And, and he makes some great contrast. And, and verse, verse 1, chapter 5, First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1, but of the times and the season, brethren, you have no need that I tell you. And verse 4, but ye, brethren, you are not in darkness, that the day should overtake you as a thief. You are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunk in the night. But, but let us 
who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love for helmet, the hope of salvation. He goes on and makes these great contrasts. This is what you were. He said, you were of the darkness. You were of the night. But now you're the children of light. You're the children of the day. Therefore, put on faith, put on love, put on hope. Have you heard those three before? We're the children of light, and the world is in darkness. So let the light shine. Put on faith, hope, and love. Children of the day. Children of the light, not of darkness. So that, so what light does. Light pierces the darkness, and light exposes the darkness, and light shows the way. Now, let's close with this. Turn back to our text. Light is to be seen. Light is to be seen. Matthew chapter 5. Light, light is to be seen. You are the light of the world, Jesus said. Verse 14, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Light is to be seen. Light is to be seen. You are the light of the world. City, okay, on a hill, uh, 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 cannot, cannot be hid. You don't take a light and put it under a, a bushel barrel or a, 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 a bushel basket. You don't, you don't do that. A light a light is to be seen. You are the light of the world. Have you ever been in total darkness? Ever been in total darkness? Well, several places we've done that. Uh, gone to Mammoth Cave in Kentucky there, you know, and, and you're going total darkness, and you get to a, a certain spot in the tour, and the, and the man warns you, he said, I'm, I'm going to turn all the lights off so you can see what total darkness is. And, and uh, all the lights go off, and you're in total darkness. And he says, put your hand in front of your face. And you know it's there because of where the motion is, but you can't see it. He says, bring it closer. And, and, and you can bring it all the way up to your nose, and you can't see it. It's total darkness. It's total darkness. And then he takes out a match, a wooden match, and lights one wooden match. And it is incredible incredible what happens with one wooden match in the light of darkness hey that's you we live in a world of darkness let your light shine that's you that's you you're the only person at work that's a christian let your light shine one light in the midst of darkness you're the only one on your sports team you're the only one at this event let your light shine let your light shine only one in your community let your light shine. One light in a world of darkness makes a significant difference. Significant difference. Look at verse 16. So we don't, we don't, a city on, the, on a hill cannot be hid. We see it from a great ways off, right? Put the lighthouses where it can be seen. And, and we don't light a candle and put it under a bushel basket. Hide it under a bushel. No. Then verse 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Now, you'll have to ask James because he's the scholar in our family. But in the, in the Greek, this is an aorist active imperative. In fact, there are three of them. It says, you are the salt of the earth. 
You are the light of the world. So let your light shine. Let your light shine. The you is emphatic. He means you. And he means you. And he means you. It's emphatic. And he means you. And he means you. But it's also in the plural. That means you. Hey, arise, Baptist Church. You're a light in this dark place. You, specifically, you, collectively, you are a light. Let your light shine before men. The word shine here is an imperative. What's an imperative? It's a command. It's not an option. It's a command. Our Lord is saying, this is what you are. I'm commanding you to shine. You to shine. It's an imperative. It's an imperative. So God commands us to shine. God commands us to shine. The world speaks of enlightenment and the world wake up and all that kind of stuff. The world has no clue. The world has no answers. The answers are in Christ. The answers are here in God's word. God is our only hope. And you who have experienced that are to take it to a lost in a dying world. You're to do that. You are the one. You are the one. John the Baptist is an example for us. John's mission, John, John chapter 1, or Luke chapter 1, John's mission was to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide their feet under the way of peace. John's purpose was give them light, guide them, show them. You know what Jesus said about John the Baptist? Jesus said in John chapter 5, He was a burning and a shining light. And you were willing to rejoice for a season in that light. John fulfilled his mission. What about you? Are you fulfilling your mission? You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Are you fulfilling, are you fulfilling your mission? Jesus commands us to shine, to shine. How do we do that? Two ways. Number one, we must live a consistent life. You, you must live a clear, have a clear Christian testimony. At work, you can't cut corners. At, at work, you have to be on time. At, at work, you have to do that. On the athletic team, you, you, you have to listen to the coach. You have to submit. You have, you have to live a consistent Christian life. It's required that you do this. It's like dirtying the glass if you don't live a consistent life. Then secondly, you need a faithful witness. Share a faithful message. Being a truth-filled witness. Truth-filled witness. It's not enough just to live. We have people who try to, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to live a good Christian life. That's great, praise the Lord. Now tell somebody why you're doing it. And how you're able to do that. And how they, too, can come to Christ and have the same hope that you have. You need to live a consistent life. But you need to share the gospel as well. You need to share the truth of Scripture. That's the only hope, the only hope that is available for us. Why do we do this? Look at verse 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Your light brings glory to God. 
Your faithful walk brings glory to God. And isn't he worthy of that? Revelation chapter 4, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and to honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. We bring glory to God the Father when we live as we ought to. We bring glory to God the Son. Revelation chapter 5, worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And we share the glorious gospel. We bring glory to Christ. His wonderful work that he has accomplished for us. God is light. God's word is light. God's son is light. And as his children, we are light. You, you, you are the light. You are the light. And you are commanded to shine. Don't hide it. Don't let Satan blow it out. Let it shine till Jesus comes. You're commanded to do that. And when you do, you bring honor and glory to God. By being obedient to Him, you are the light of the world. Let's pray. The heads bowed and their eyes closed. Songwriter writes, Jesus bids us shine with a clear, pure light, like a little candle burning in the night. In this world of darkness, we must shine. You in your small corner, and I in mine. So let your light shine before men, that they see your good works. Glorify your Father, which is in heaven. <laughs>